Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. Let's see, this series we're in the middle of is all about change in an ever-changing world. That's just where we live. And we're trying to live lives of intention and not be uh, blown about by the, the winds of change and the waves of change, which, which hit everybody all the time. Um, this is true whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're not a Christ follower um, we all want to live lives of intention and purpose and go, you know, we've, we've done something, we've accomplished something, you know, we've, we've gone somewhere. Uh, I know often it's frustrating in our lives when we feel like we've done so much and yet we get, we get nowhere. Uh, so throughout this series, we've been looking at the book of First Thessalonians, and today we move over into Second Thessalonians as we try to figure out what Paul, uh, his guidance was for that church there in the city of Thessalonica. Uh, the city of Thessalonica was uh, home to this church that was new. Paul had planted it, and it was really, really struggling uh, with all of the change that was surrounding that church. Uh, and Paul has got a lot of interesting things, good things to say. Uh, as we've gone through this series, we've, we've looked at how it, step one of trying to live a life of intention is to simply start with the end in mind, to simply set a course and to to pick some place and go, that's where I want to go. As Christ followers, you know, we're hoping that we would become more like Jesus and that we would follow him as he leads us through life. And so that's kind of step one. And once you've decided where you want to go, the next thing to do is to connect with a community of people that are traveling in that same direction. Because you can go fast alone, but you can go far together. And so we need each other, and that's super important. We've got to connect. Uh, as we go, you know, in any direction, we will find ourselves tempted to take shortcuts. And the Apostle Paul will encourage us to, to not take shortcuts because you don't become the person you want to become. You don't have the relationships you want to have. You don't ha have the business you want to have by taking shortcuts. Uh, we've got to, you know, be in it to win it. I love what Craig Rochelle says. He said, um, successful people do consistently what everyone else does occasionally. And I think he's absolutely right on with that. Uh, today, uh, I want to talk about a reality that, that we deal with, and that is the fact that this world isn't as it should be, which is what we talked about last week, but because it's not the way it should be, uh, we find that things are often harder maybe than, than we would like them to be. And we find ourselves stuck in places of struggle. We find ourselves you know, hurting. We find ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves wondering, you know, how much longer is this? And I know that in a group this size that there's some of you that are going through a really difficult struggle right now. Uh, maybe you're having a problem with some relationships. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your child. Maybe you've got trouble with your business or your finances, or maybe you're uh, just, you know, struggling at, at work. I, I don't know what it is, but I know that we all will face struggles in life. And I think the good news is this, is that it's the struggle that builds strength. Um, you know, you think about um, athletes, you know, uh, whether it's football players or basketball players or, or baseball players. I mean, any, anybody that's playing a sport that requires a little bit of strength, part of their job is to, to be strong, to be conditioned, to make sure that they are physically fit to be able to play whatever sport it is that they're going to play. 
Um, and as you get to that professional level, it it's becomes their job. It's their job to make sure that their body is kept in a condition that is always ready to play this game. And, and how, how do you do that? You do that through things like running. You do that through things like you know, cycling or, or weight training, you know, weightlifting, all of these different things uh, you know, that you can do um, to make yourself stronger. Uh, but none of them are easy. You know? That's why people, runners, when they run, they never look happy. I've never seen a smiling runner. You know, people that go to the gym are not having a good time. I don't see a lot of smiling people at the gym. They, they smile after, uh, but they don't smile while they're there because it's, it's a struggle. It's hard. Maybe you don't go to the gym. Maybe it's just you've got a job that you've got manual labor in. You, you know, it's hard work. But, but here's the thing. When you work hard, just when you struggle, that's how you build the strength. You don't really have to think about it. You, it just naturally happens that when we go through struggle, physically it builds strength in us, and it is work. Uh, the same thing's true, and I mean, in intellectual pursuits. You know, I know we've got a lot of folks uh, studying, taking classes, whether that's at WKU or or our high schools or junior highs. I, I know that you've all got you know tests and things that come up, and it's a, a rare, rare person that doesn't have to study, doesn't have to open up a textbook, doesn't have to review the notes and go, well, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta cram for this exam. I've got to think about it. I, it. There's a struggle. There's a struggle that builds that type of intellectual strength. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. Now, I, can, I know many of you well enough to know that there's a few of you that are protesting right now. You're going, well, wait a second, listen here. Jesus, he's done all the hard work. You know, Jesus has done all that work. All I have to do is just sort of just show up. Well, some people take that approach. You know, they take the approach to just showing up, and they don't put any work into their spiritual life. And, and often what that leads to is somebody feeling very disconnected from God. Now, it is true that Jesus has done everything that you need for salvation. He's out on the cross. He's done for you, which you cannot do for yourself. But there are some things that we have to do if we want to maintain a strong spiritual life and connection with Christ. It's true in any relationship. You don't just get married and be like, well, hey, you know, I told you I loved you, you know, when we were dating, and if anything should change, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, that's not how it works. You know, you constantly remind people, I love you. I'm, I'm concerned about you. I care for you. you. You do things from that's how this works, and sometimes it's a struggle, but it's the struggle that builds a strong relationship. Same thing's true with our relationship with God. There's a struggle that's sometimes involved. You know, people that go, I don't feel close to God. Often if you start asking questions like, why are you, are you praying? Are you, are you in your, your scripture? Do you, you come to church? Do you serve? You know, do you do any of these things? Are you connected in a community group? Often the answer is no, no, no. Um, you know, no, I don't do any of those things. And it's a small wonder that we don't feel connected. We don't feel uh, that we have any spiritual strength because, in fact, we don't. You know, we probably have as much faith and as much spiritual strength as we really, truly want, as we really, truly work towards. So the challenge for us today is to sort of lean into this struggle that we all face, both in our faith and just in every other area of our life. Now, I want to say this because I, there's always sort of a, a challenge in my mind when I talk about struggle, as we talk about difficulties, because I know some of you are probably here, and you are like, you're in the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist would say. You're going through a really, really dark time. You're in the midst of a really, really hard place. And a lot of what I'm going to say may not sound really great to you. And you might go, well, I just, I don't know. I just, and you may just not even be in the place emotionally where you can sort of process all of this. Um, I want to come back to that maybe a little bit later. 
Uh, others of you are here, and you know what it's like to be in a struggle, and I would say, listen, why don't you listen really good? Because you will be in a struggle later, and these will be truths that I think are important for us to all remember as we face struggles with Jesus. So uh, let's, let's get into the text here, because the Thessalonian church, they are struggling. And Paul writes to them, because he knows that they need a little bit of encouragement. And here's, here's what he writes. He says this. He says, We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Now, I know that this feels like everything is sort of up and to the right. You know, it's all up and to the right. Your love is increasing. Your faith is increasing. You know, everything's going good there. But, but notice what he says next. He says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. Paul says, listen, you are growing in faith and you're growing in love and you're doing it in the midst of difficulty. You're doing it in the midst of a struggle. You're facing trials. You're facing persecution. The word he used here is enduring. He says, you are struggling to get through these things. He says, but it is through this that you are growing. Now, Paul's going to spend a little bit of time, and we don't have time to get into all of the, the texts because we're going to get through two chapters today. But what Paul is going to remind them of here in, in a, the next few verses is that Jesus is coming back. And he's reminding them that God is going to come and he's going to set everything right. So the key to endurance, I think, that Paul is saying is this, is that we've got to have a clear view of the future. That, that a clear view of the future or the goal, we might say, that's what gives us strength today. When we know where we're going, we, and we know that this struggle that we're in, it's not the last word, and we're not going to stop here. Yes, this is a rough patch. It's, it's a bumpy road that we're on right now, but we're going someplace else. And that's what Paul reminds them. He says, listen, this is not it. There is more waiting for you. If you think about you know, people in general, the people that, that engage more physically are going to uh, be stronger. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's, again, let's say you are uh, you know, a construction worker, and you've got to lift a lot of stuff, and you've got to move things, and you're working with your hands, and you're constantly you know, doing manual labor, and you're constantly you know, you're breaking a sweat, and it, that, that's what you do for a living. You're working with your hands. You're out there in the field. You're out there on a job site, and you're working hard. You're probably going to have a little more strength, muscle conditioning than somebody who goes and sits, maybe say like in an office chair for eight hours a day and then comes home and sits on the couch for the, you know, the rest of their waking hours, you're probably going to be a little bit stronger. Now, you don't set out to be stronger. It's just the struggle of your work is going to make you more physically stronger. And the same thing's true in our faith. When we face trials, everybody's life is not easy, but even if it was, you, know, you would have no strength. It is the struggles that we go through, it is the work that we have to, to endure that, that gives us strength in our life. And we don't have to think about it, we just have to make it through. We just have to endure, is the word that Paul has. And Paul is proud of the Thessalonian church because of their endurance. He knows that it's evidence of their faith in the midst of their trials. And he's challenging them to keep their eye on the prize, to keep their eye on the goal. There is this uh, phenomenon uh, called the quiet eye, and it's a, a discipline that golfers um, really try to adopt. You, you've heard the phrase, you know, keep your eye on the ball. This is good advice if, you know, you're, you're playing baseball. You don't want to get the, you know, I've seen 
kids take the ball to the face because they got distracted. You know, the ball gets thrown and they're, they're looking over here and they get a rock right into their face is what ends up happening. You got to keep your eye on the ball. This is just common sense. The golf ball is really small, right? Uh, and you're going to hit it with a really long stick. And uh, that's, that's the goal. I mean, you know, somebody said this would be fun. And so they, they started doing it. And, and now people study this because it's a multi-million dollar industry and golfers are always trying to figure out how to be better. And so what some researchers did is they, they hooked cameras up to the, some glasses and had um, professional golfers putt. They had them putting and watched what their eyes were doing. And they noticed, you know, that with some golfers, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at the ball, and then they look at the hole, and they look at the ball, and they're looking at the hole, and they're seeing all the eye movement. They're looking at the ball, they look at the hole, look at their shoes, look at the guy behind them, looking up, you know, looking at their watch, you know, looking at all these things. And then there were other golfers who really, when they put their head down, they looked at the, the cup, they looked at the ball, and then their eyes just stopped and just stayed there. And they called this quiet eye. And they found that the, the players who had a quiet eye, an eye that didn't move, that was constantly focused, those were the players that performed better because they had a clear view of what they were doing, where they were going, and what it was all about. And I think this is true in our own spiritual life. Often we get distracted by so many things. And God's saying, listen, I want you to stay focused. Stay focused. Keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the, the end view. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, and that's what Paul's going to encourage the church in Thessalonica to do, we will find this, that God's faithfulness, it strengthens our hope. Now, struggles, we can't romanticize them. They're, they're struggles. They're hard. It's difficult. There's, just, there's no other word for it. They're painful. But God is faithful, and he meets us in the midst of them. You hear these beautiful words of Paul as he talks about how he's praying for the church. He says, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Now, this is work that God's doing in them. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Paul says, listen, as you just struggle to get through this, as you just struggle to be faithful, he says, I pray that God's power would meet you in that difficult place and that he would allow you to, to bring to fruition these things that you're hoping for. Paul says, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is praying that the church would remain faithful because he knows that if the church remains faithful, they will find God faithful in the midst of their struggle. The Thessalonians have been struggling with a very particular problem, and it's kind of unique to them. And I don't know that anybody here today is going to say, oh, that's my problem too. Um, the, the church in Thessalonica um, had been taught that Jesus was going to come back, and that's what we teach here. We were waiting for Jesus to come. Uh, but the Thessalonica church there had gotten a letter or had, had a messenger that came and said, hey, listen, I'm sorry to let you know, but you missed it. Jesus came back, he didn't get you, and we're really sorry about that. Um, that was sort of the letter they got, and they were distraught. These are new believers. None of these people grew up in the church. Some of them may have been just a, a Christian for maybe less than a year, and, and they're just they're kind of unhinged by this. They're like, well, Jesus came back and we missed it? This is a problem. And so Paul writes to them. He says, listen, he says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed, by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Paul is going to go on and he's going to say, listen, when Jesus comes back, you will know. 
He says, there's not going to be like, I don't know, was that Jesus? Was that not Jesus? I don't know. Uh, when he comes back, you're going to know. He's, you know, it, it's going to be clear. You know, people are going to be leaving. They're going to be going up to heaven. You're going to know that Jesus came back. So you don't need to worry about that. You just need to remain faithful. But, but he, I don't know if you caught what, he's, well, what he says. He says, listen, um, well, let's, let's look at the text here. He says, um, hold on, I've got, where am I? I'm lost. I'm up here. Where were we? Oh, I'm, I'm, I got ahead of myself. That's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's all right. Okay. Don't worry about it. He's going to go on to say, listen, he's going to talk about the lawlessness that comes into the world. And, and what he's saying with this is, listen, things are going to get worse. That's what he says. He says, listen, Jesus is going to come, and when he does, you're all going to know it. He says, but you know what? Things are going to get worse before they get better. Now, we hate to admit that. We hate to acknowledge that because we'd like to say, no, life's always going to get easier. No, it's going to get harder, and it's going to be a greater struggle. And just when you've mastered the one thing you struggle with, guess what? There's going to be something else to come and struggle with you. That's just the nature of the fallen world in which we live. Things will get harder, but God's faithfulness remains. And it's interesting, as we go through life and we experience the faithfulness of God, it gives us strength and courage to face the next struggle. And so, you know, if you think about the struggles you faced in life, they seem to get increasingly more difficult. But can you imagine trying to face a struggle that, you know, you're going through, you know, at the present place in your life, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? You're going, no, it would probably cause me to fold. I, could, I don't think I could handle it back then. That's true. The reason you're so strong now is because you've been through the struggles in the past. It's the struggle that builds the strength, friends. It's the struggle that builds the strength. Uh, researchers, uh, again, a lot of, lot of money spent here uh, studying what it takes to be, I, uh, what it takes to be successful. I'm, I don't, there's, we're done with those. I don't even know if they're in order. Somebody came up here and shuffled. I don't know. Um, this is last week's term. I don't even know what this is. So we're going to come back. Researchers were studying the NBA uh, teams, and they were trying to figure this out. They were asking this question, can you predict the end of the game at halftime? Like, how accurately can you predict the winner and the loser at halftime? And so they went through 16 years of games, 16 years of tapes and statistics, and here is, in fact, what they found. They found that if your team was up by four points, the odds of them holding on from halftime to the end uh, is 70%. It's a 70% chance that they are going to win. So the odds are pretty good. If you're ahead by six at halftime, uh, the odds of you winning go up to 80%. So you've pretty much sealed the deal there if you're up by six. But as they went back the other way, they went down to two, and they went down to one, and they went down, well, what if it's tied, or what if it's even, or what if you're behind by one? Here's what they found. They found that if you were down by one, you were actually more likely to win. If you were down by one, it was as much of an advantage to you as being up by two. Uh, there was something that happened. A team, as they started to get behind, and they knew it was close, and they knew they could do it, and they knew they were only down by one point. There was something that going into the locker room just down by one, that it, it, it incited them to do, you know, to do more, to work harder, you know, to play smarter, and they would come back to win. So statistically, if you're down, you were up. And I think that that's what Paul is telling us, is listen, it might feel like you're behind, but you know who wins. You know how this story goes. Jesus wins in the end. And so you've got to hang on to that. 
He says, we always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might share in the glory of Jesus Christ. I love the language here. Paul says, listen, you are the first fruits. He says, God chose you. You know, if you are a Christ follower, you don't have to wonder, am I on God's team? Yes, you're on God's team. And it's not because he picked you. It's, because, it's not because you picked him. It's because he picked you. God has chosen you. If you're here this morning and you're feeling drawn towards the Lord, let me tell you what that is. It's that God has chosen you, and he wants you to be part of his family and on his team. And he wants to work this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. What does that sanctifying work mean? It means that he's transforming you more and more, little by little, degree by degree, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing. But it doesn't come easy. If you think about purification, silver is not refined without a little bit of fire. Purification happens through intense heat. And God uses our difficult situations to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. But because God is at work in us, because God is at work in me and in you, we can hold on to him because he is the one who's going to help us get through. Uh, Paul continues. He says, so then, brothers and sisters, he says, stand firm. Notice, he doesn't even say run. He just, he says, just says, just keep standing. He says, just hold fast. He says, just hang in there. Just hold on to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Friends, that's my prayer for you, that you would hang in there, that you would hold on as you go through whatever struggle it is you're in right now or that you're going to face. I read about a beautiful picture, I think, of, of God as our Heavenly Father in the life of, of Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, you know, we know of Teddy Roosevelt as being this really, you know, boisterous guy, big, big barrel chest, real strong guy. Um, but as he grew up, I, some of you know this, uh, you know, he struggled a lot with asthma and he had a hard time breathing. And, and his dad, who's Teddy Roosevelt Sr., um, was known to pick him up at night when he could not breathe. This child, when he was three and then four and even five, and would just hold his son, Teddy Roosevelt Jr., just hold him close and hold him upright. And it was said that he would walk the hall with him all night long so that way he would stay upright and, and, and what was inside of him would have at least a place to drain and it would be able to, you know, he'd be able to breathe and he'd feel the warmth of his father and he wouldn't be afraid and he would hang in there. And as I think about God, you know, I think that God does that for us as we go through the difficulties in our own life. We may not always feel Him, and that is kind of the, the disadvantage. We don't always sense the presence of God, but God is there. And even when we're not sure if He believes in us, I'm confident that God, that we believe in God, I'm confident that God believes in us and that He's holding us close and He's saying, don't give up. Now, again, I know that some of you are going through a storm right now and you're struggling. And, and I don't want to romanticize it because it's not easy. It's kind of in, interesting to me that our, our, my community group, we met this week and we were talking about struggle this week. A just different study, different kind of thing, but it just the topics came together. And one of the questions we talked about and asked was this, was what were the moments in your life that were defining for you? 
And I want to just ask you this right now. Just think about this for a second. What are the moments, maybe pick two or three, that are defining moments for you in your life? What are the moments that have defined you? Really call some of those to mind. What are the moments that have shaped you into the person that you are today? Now, once you've got a moment, then ask yourself this question. Was that an easy thing or was that a hard thing? Was it a struggle or was it a breeze? Because as we talked about it in our group, it seemed that none of the moments that defined who we were, or very few of them, were easy. In fact, they were all hard. And then, just a rhetorical question, would you give up any of those? If you could say, you know, I'm going to pass on all of this pain, I'm going to pass on all of this hurt, and I'm going to just take something that's easier, would you do that? Again, for most of us, the answer was No. I'm not going to say there aren't situations in our life we would love a do-over at and things we would like to see handled differently. Yes, I, I, we all have those. But I think for most of us, we would say, no, it's the struggle that's made us who we are. It's the struggle that's built our strength. It's the struggle that's defined us. And so for those of you that are in the midst of that right now, you, you don't know, I, I know, you don't know that this is one of those defining moments, and you don't know you know, what it's going to look like on the other side. I, I get that. And you're saying, all I'm just trying to do is, is hang on and keep my head above water. I, I think that's what faith looks like so often. It's just hanging on and hanging in there. But I want to say this. It's the struggle that builds the strength. And if we continue to hang on to God, He hangs on to us, and He's doing something in us through the struggles that we face. He maybe didn't bring it. He maybe didn't cause it. But He is going to use it to do something amazing in your life. So just hang in there. It's, it's the struggle that makes us stronger. I, I want to pray for us right now. God, I, I thank you that you meet us right where we are. Lord, you didn't come and have an easy life. You, you suffered. You, were, you went to the cross. You, you were abandoned. People left you alone. Your, your own friends couldn't, just couldn't even sit up with you for an hour in, in a time of need. God, you didn't come to save us from suffering. You came and you've taught us how to suffer. And you've taught us that you're not going to leave us alone and that you're going to be there in the midst of it. And so, God, for my brothers and sisters and friends who are here, Lord, I know some of them are in the midst of a a really hard time. And God, I pray that you'd meet them right where they are right now. And while they maybe haven't seen you lately or heard from you lately, God, you've been there. And so my prayer would be that this very day, God, that they would have an encounter where they would see your presence and they would feel your touch and they would hear your voice and they would know that you're with them. And God, would you give them the strength to keep going, to just hang in there because God, it is the struggle that builds the strength. And we thank you that you don't waste our pain, but that you use it. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at bowlinggreenchristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.